Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. So, earlier today, I woke up, looked at my phone, and I, you know, I get alerts to certain tweets. And I see that uh, Royal CEO John Sherman has put out a letter to the fans. And I see that it takes up two pages. The font is real small. And I'm like, who's going to read this? Did anybody actually take the time to read what he had to say? Not yet. I don't think he's over enough for people to take time like 10 minutes out of their day to read this thing. It was an essay. I already don't like to read. If it's more than three paragraphs and doesn't have any pictures, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, the percentage of like, you know, like those messages that student athletes have put together that say like, thank you, uh, K-State for all the support, the love, being my family, but I'm now entering the transfer portal. It's usually like four paragraphs long. I skipically, skipically, I typically skip the middle two. I'm like, all right, I, I kind of get the gist after the first paragraph. We jump to the end. Okay, transferring. We got the gist of it. So you don't you don't know either what John Sherman had to say earlier today? Very, now I'm kind of interested, but very, I thought it'd be about a new stadium. Yeah, it is, and he brought Nancy Hauser's name into it because apparently he had a conversation with her the other evening at the ballpark as in Dick Hauser's widow, right. and wanting to return the Royals to their rightful place. Okay. Then, yeah, he gets into the discussion about the stadium itself. I didn't read it in full, no. I just know that he's aiming for September to try to have sorted out where they want to go with the stadium. R- rightful place. In Major League Baseball. Oh, Okay. I was like, did they bury him in downtown Kansas City? Is is that what we're talking about here? Because Dick Hauser, I mean, he he passed away like right after the '85 World Series, didn't he? Uh, in or shortly uh, after in '87, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know the Royals are going to move. Uh, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know why we got to wait until September unless they're just trying to finalize a spot. They're down to two anyway. Either truly downtown Kansas City, or they're going to be in North Kansas City. We're down to two. September is a long wait. Let's just let's just rip the Band-Aid off for those that don't want the move out of Kauffman Stadium 
to downtown. It, we all know at this point, and you know, John Sherman, I think, made great note of this recently in a press conference, the Royals aren't going to be in Kauffman Stadium for much longer. Handful of more years, build that new stadium, state-of-the-art stadium. It's going to generate revenue that they've been talking about for maybe a full season, and then it's back to crappy baseball for the foreseeable future. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, just us two today. We're out at 5.30. Royals baseball, by the way. Uh, coming up at 5.30, another game with the Guardians. Hey, they won last night, didn't they? They did. Good pitching performance from Ryan Yarborough, and the bullpen didn't cough it up like they've been known to do. We were talking off air, like right before the show began, and we were talking about just bad Royals baseball. I mean, the Royals are legit on a run right now to be the worst Royals team in, in history. Like, we're talking about worst record. Yeah, in they, Royals history, and they could they could demolish the record. Yeah, fastest to seventy losses ever in their franchise history this year. What was the, do you do you know off the top of your head the previous record? I don't. Not quickly. No, I don't. I mean, I would if if I had a guess. I mean, I would think late nineties, early two thousands. That era probably is my guess. Yeah. I was Tony Kess, like I think I was in fifth grade, and this was like two thousand one, and the Royals started seven and zero, and all of a sudden. My dad, who hasn't followed a lick of Royals baseball probably his entire <laughs> life, is all of a sudden bringing up the Royals in a conversation. What? I'm like, I didn't know you heard of baseball. We've never talked about this. Even though I've played baseball as a kid for many years, we don't talk baseball outside of the actual diamond. He actually coached me in baseball. I forgot about that. We actually had a really good year when I was in eighth grade. We won the championship when my dad is the only year as a head coach. We won the championship. The Royals may think about that higher. Uh, we, we uh, man, what a wild twenty-four hours in sports. Uh, and I do want to touch on a number of topics in our short amount of time we have today. Uh, we'll get an update on on Chiefs wide receiver Kadarius Tony with Kansas City chasing the ceiling that he potentially has. Are they running into uh, just the beginning of an injury prone? Kadarius Tony, who had a knee injury yesterday, will get an update on his status coming up at 510. Do also want to bring up Bronny James, the prince of basketball, mm. uh, because King Jr. injured. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say injured. Cardiac arrest yesterday. Get an update on him. And of course, that's relevant to us because K State will play Bronny James in USC coming up on November 6th to open up the 2023 24 season. But man, you know. Biggest headlines yesterday for K-State Athletics. The biggest headline for K-State Athletics. That uh, drum tang is going to be on the 700 Club tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure when that interview will air, but the show airs from 8 to 11 tonight on Freeform. Um, for KU, their biggest headline yesterday, offensive lineman Joe Krause arrested Monday afternoon on charges of aggravated criminal threat, caused terror, an evacuation or disruption. That's according to Douglas County Sheriff's Office. And by the way, they haven't officially reported that this is in direct link, but there was a bomb threat yesterday to the Anderson Family Football Complex there in Lawrence. And if you're not familiar where that complex is, it is the Veneer Football Complex for KU. It is attached to the stadium. The North, uh, check that, the Southwest Corner, the opposite, Southwest mm-hmm. Corner of the stadium there at uh, at the booth. And evacuation by 4.35 p.m. And about three and a half hours later, 
police determined no devices were found, and police gave the all clear at 8.01 p.m. Uh, to this minute, as far as I'm sh- uh, concerned, and I haven't seen really any updates from from KU, from Douglas County Sheriff's Office, there still hasn't been an announcement that this is a direct tie to the bomb threat. So we got to be very careful about this. Of course, innocent until proven guilty. But Joe Krause was arrested yesterday. If I mean, if you're drawing lines and drawing a conclusion, all the lines are going to point to that bomb threat. First of all, there was not another report of any sort of criminal or you know terroristic threat or anything like that. Just the one. And then there was only one arrest that would be in any way related in Douglas County to a bomb threat. So in other words, let's help the the KU alums out. Two plus two equals four. Sure. Yes. Yes. That's a math. Yes. Here on the game. Mm-hmm. That they wouldn't get. Now, this is not a player that is going to see any significant time this year. He's a he's a walk-on. This will be his third year in the program. He has only played in, I think, two games. Uh, check that. Actually, he's played more. Uh, he's actually been in the uh, program, I think, actually a little bit longer than that. I think he started in 2020. So, how, you know, whatever that is now. Uh, but he redshirted, and now he's a redshirt sophomore. So, you, you know, these days with the COVID year, things are a little bit weird with their status at their respective universities. But has hardly played as a Jayhawk, was not expected to see the field, most likely, in 2023. He's a Kansas kid, Shawnee Mission East. We just don't know the motive. Like, why would somebody want to do this? Why would, you know, allegedly, why would a KU football player want to make a bomb threat to his own facility? We can't go too far on that, obviously, because we just don't know. But I got to say, Troy, actually, I'm going to have to ask you on this. Okay. Is it too early to make jokes about this? Because they're all coming to me. And I've, I've said before, like, I'm pretty careful about what I say. Like, especially when DG's in here, we're going back and forth. Like, man, I got so many good jokes that come into my head that they're on topic. And I just don't say them half the time because I just don't want to offend anybody, you know? But I'm like... Man, what a great opportunity this is. Right? It's really hard it's, to it's, pass up. It, it's taking your fandom and putting it aside for a moment. If you just Google Joe Krause, KU, and just look up his profile, I mean, his, his picture alone, his profile pic, is already a fun ride. He looks like a guy that knows his way around a pontoon boat. As a matter of fact... I meant to text Mason this earlier, but he looks like Mason if Mason had a mustache and a mullet because Joe Krause has a mustache and a mullet. He would be perfect. Like he looks like, uh, okay, so from Barstool, they have that show called Sunday Conversation. I think it's the best show they have. And Caleb Presley, I think, does these celebrity interviews and they're really, they're really entertaining. It's that Caleb guy, and then whoever the co-host is that's just eating a Sunday. If they had a baby, <laughs> that baby is Joe Krause. <laughs> oh boy! You know, and with this story popping up, I, I I've been to Memorial Stadium, but I've never actually walked by Anderson Family Football Complex. I mean, to be honest with you, I get why they are trying to get money to 
redo this thing. It's kind of an abomination to Power 5 college football facilities. He may have had just the idea of saving on demo costs, and the conversation went too far. Or maybe Jared Casey just wasn't uh, willing to share his Applebee's. I don't know. I mean, Jared gets the free Applebee's for the rest of his life. He can share, although he has to go to uh, Topeka to go get that Applebee's. Anderson Family Football Complex, I mean, if I wasn't like a, like a college football fan, I was just walking by, it looks like a community college. No wonder they want to update this thing. The inside is fine. But the, ins- the, the outside of it, it's like I'm walking into Cloud County for the first time. They look so similar. Or it looks like a high school that was built in the 80s. Was, just, was this just another way for K to waste more taxpayer money? I'm not sure. You're not laughing. Am I, bomb- I, am I bombing over here? No, I, I'm, I'm just thinking it through that, you know, honestly, they had to do something because they had no space for their football program. They had to come up with something, so why not make it as generic as possible? Well, I can tell you this. There is no way Joe was going to try this in a small town. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, I'll stop there. <laughs> Still to come, uh, update on uh, Kadarius Tony. His injury yesterday at training camp. It's a knee issue. When is he projected to be back? And then, uh, of course, a lot of ties to the Bronny James story yesterday of cardiac arrest. Plus, still coming up in this hour, Jabroni of the Week. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the game. You're in the game on News Radio KMAN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, I am uh, I'm picturing Wembley Stadium, Live Aid, or just, you know, the the other show that Queen played at Wembley, and then them doing Radio Gaga, and everybody in that stadium doing the claps, you know, like from the right. music video. One of the coolest moments in concert history was from Live Aid and from that show at Wembley Stadium and, and the claps. To Radio Gaga because everybody in that stadium was doing it. Welcome back to the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Right, during the break, saw a, a really cool tweet from the New York Jets. Uh, DJ Reed, who's going to be a corner for 
the Jets once again in year two of a three-year contract worth $33 million. Tell you what, I love what DJ Reed has going for him right now. Really do. I mean, it was just a couple of days ago, I think, is when he reported he saw that he had his very own banner outside of where they're having training camp, and he was very proud of that. And I mean, and this also comes after a time like I was honestly a little worried about his career because the transition from the 49ers to the Seahawks that he had, I mean, he was landing on uh, like injured reserve but for non-football injury list, mm-hmm. and then he he got a big break because Quentin Dunbar got hurt for Seattle. This was the COVID year. He gets hurt, and I don't remember what part of the season this was, but he gets hurt. DJ Reed takes over and kicks butt. Like, he did a phenomenal job. Well, the work that he got done in a 2020 season, and uh, he, he got to roll that into a profitable contract with the New York Jets. Three years, $33 million. Wasn't too shabby this last year for the New York Jets. He played against... Skyler Thompson, and unfortunately, was a uh, it was a rough day for Skyler and the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, but um, not too bad of a year for DJ Reed, the former Wildcat, former 2017 All Big 12 corner for the Cats. He had an interception, 12 pass breakups, a forced fumble last year for uh, the New York Jets. So uh, great to see good things coming to DJ Reed, who was a fifth round draft pick back in 2018. Uh, meanwhile, I did see some news as well on Malik Knowles. It's, it's been a while since we've heard anything on Malik Knowles. He was actually let go uh, by the Minnesota Vikings, and just a few hours later, it looked like he was then signed on a one-year contract by the Washington Commanders. So, of course, another former Wildcat is now in the in the NFC East to compete against. Hashtag my boy Juice Fun in the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and about to have it coming. That's one way to look at it. By the way, the latest update from uh, or on Deuce Vaughn is really just uh, trying to compete for a role on the offense and uh, maybe in the rotation to be a kick returner, which is not a surprise. Right. When he was when he was drafted, he even talked about it, that, uh, that if anybody picks him up, they're going to look for him to be in a special teams role, mostly – and then maybe, depending on the team, find a role as an offensive player. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got an opportunity for both, but more as a as a kick returner, punt returner for the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we'll talk Kadarius Tony and the Kansas City Chiefs coming up at five ten. And by the way, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, his first report from Chiefs training camp is coming up tomorrow. That'll be at four forty. We will not have Derek Young from Casey in a line tomorrow. He's on vacation, but we will instead have Mitch Holtis. Voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, give us that first update on Felix Enidike Uzama, on Echo Boydo, and the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs. Wait a minute. They allow D.Y. to take vacations? He's his own boss. Well, okay, that's valid. So he can he can really do what he wants. And I, now's he, good timing because now's the time to do it. True. This is like next week it ramps up. I already feel it because we media days are starting. As in, like K State, because we have K State volleyball and K State soccer next week for media days. Right. Uh, that's about a week away. And by the way, Thursday we're gonna have Jeff Minnie on, former K State or not former former. What am I saying? K State women's basketball coach. Uh, we'll be on the uh, game and where we're gonna get caught up on what's going on with the women's program. 
for the for uh, for K State basketball. All right, let's get to. Uh, I want to talk about Bronny James for just a moment. Uh, as you know, or hopefully know that. Uh, Jerome Tang in his second year. K-State men's basketball will start the season in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, to face the USC Trojans. Highly anticipated game, but it's not because of K-State. It's because of USC and who is uh, their highest get in this year's recruiting class, Bronny James, the son of LeBron James. Very scary stuff yesterday. Um, And, of course, this is another way relatable to K-State. Went into cardiac arrest yesterday, uh, collapsed, and uh, I mean, it was right there during a workout, so a trainer had to come out and get the defibrillators out, chest compressions to bring him back. He was then off to the hospital, was in critical condition in the ICU, and then it wasn't too long after that, he was back, like his normal self, out of the ICU, and he has since been released. So, first of all, I'm, I was actually really surprised to hear about that quick turnaround after, I mean, a cardiac arrest. Right. Your heart's stopping. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm, no, I'm not, you know, I'm a doctor, but this is not my expertise, the heart. I mean, my expertise is anything I've injured in the past. Uh, I've never injured my heart. Never had a heart issue, luckily. Uh, but So I don't know a lot about cardiac arrest, but obviously there is a connection because of Keontae Johnson. Keontae back in 2020 collapsing on the floor at Florida State during the COVID year, and um, and he was out for nearly two years. Mm-hmm. It was a long recovery. I don't know if it was the same exact reason as Bronny James, but I know like heart inflammation played the part of why Keontae Johnson collapsed two years ago, over two years ago. Now we're going on nearly three years ago. But Bronny James, um, I mean, obviously already quite the story, but now the question now comes, first of all, he's going to be okay, which is phenomenal news. But how long would he be out? What's the timetable for this kind of thing? I think it's a wide range. I mean, let's not forget the story of DeMar Hamlin for the Buffalo Bills. Monday Night Football game, we're, we're nearing Christmas. We're nearing the playoffs. It's the last couple of weeks of the season, and all of a sudden he collapses. Trainers have to rush out during the game on the field and resuscitate him, bring him back to life. And I know he's planning to make a return, but his was, of course, extremely serious. He could have easily died, and thankfully he didn't. And it was for, and it was also amazing how politicized that got. Just insane with the money that was being donated to his charity, which people thought it was just being donated to him, it got way out of hand. Hopefully this is not going to be the same situation. But cardiac arrest, I mean, this could be a week's thing, it could be a month's thing, or it could be years. I mean, we just don't know. Uh, but the, the the quick recovery he made just in the hospital is already quite impressive for such a serious thing. But also, here's another case. USC actually had the same thing happen just a year ago. Another player went into cardiac arrest in July of last year, collapsed on the floor. Here comes the defibrillator, rushed to the hospital. So his timeline, if we're going to go off anything, you can maybe go off his. He did not play until January of that season. But again, case-by-case thing. I don't know enough about cardiac arrest and about heart issues to make a, a true judgment on that, but I'm just kind of sharing... The facts. 
And that is Bronny James, who is the hi- most highly touted. He's not the most highly touted, but name recognition, right? He's LeBron James' son. When it comes to new recruits, nobody wants to see anybody play more when it comes to college basketball fan base than Bronny James because he's LeBron James' son. So this could definitely play a factor in, in K-State's game on November 6th. Absolutely could wind up in a situation where he is not in shape to play at that point. Because rehab comes into play, right? It does, and you're unsure or in the early moments of how much damage was potentially done to the heart. Um, well, you tell but, us because you've yeah, had no, well, a heart issue before. Yeah, congestive heart failure. You know, they put me through an MRI to try and discern what damage had occurred and where I was at in terms of potential recovery and the like. And they're going to likely do the same with him once they feel that things have leveled off. And it it's an area where you're left questioning a lot of things just because uh, the the two most difficult organs in the body to be able to work with happen to be the heart and the brain, the two most vital sure. organs in the body. And our learning regarding those is always uh, increasing, but what we know is always a limitation as well. For the moment, what is probably going to play out is that he's going to be kept off of the field or off of the court for a certain length of time until they get a handle on what potential damage took place. What that means going forward is going to be you know, between him and his doctors at that point, but you have to be a little bit leery in aiming for that November date already. We are, let's see here, just about to get to August. So September, October, you're looking at four months. That's a difficult spot. I was noting earlier with Brandon because we were talking about AEDs, and yesterday was a great example again of uh, the need for defibrillators on site at these various places, including gymnasiums or ball fields or any of the sites really where we have people gathered to exercise and do things because there is always that little possibility something may come up. You know, after my incident, because of the concerns over AFib, I actually wore an AED vest for six months. And that was in part because there was that concern that my heart might kick back into AFib. Even though we had already taken X amount of fluid off of my heart, even though we had made the changes in terms of what I was taking for drugs, even though we were seeing progress taking place, there were still enough questions about whether a case of AFib would come up and that they kept me with that defibrillator for six months. Um, you know, that's that's a challenge. Now, the fact that he is, by all other rights, healthy, the fact that this doesn't likely appear to be anything tied to fluid on his heart, that type of thing, that may help out the situation. 
but I don't know that anybody has a handle as to when you can look at him trying to make a return. I, I, I don't know that anybody's comfortable saying definitely that it's going to be four months. And uh, one more thing here. I think I said earlier that he has been released. I I should correct myself. He is He's now in stable condition, but I do not believe he's been released from the hospital. I believe he's still there. That is correct. He okay. was he was released from the ICU. ICU, yeah. So, which everybody believes is a good sign. Yeah. Stable condition, family's there, obviously hoping for the best. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, still to come, we're going to go uh, back to uh, – Another injury for the Kansas City Chiefs and projected number one Ryan receiver in Kadarius Tony yesterday. We have an update on that, but coming up next, Jabroni of the Week time after these words. Know your role and shut your mouth, you Jabroni. You Jabronis hit the jackpot. The Hollywood brand Jabroni, Hulk Hogan. Ow. Is this Jabroni's name? Jabroni of the Week. Well, here we go. It's time to officially name another Jabroni of the Week. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to be Elon Musk. Very Jabroni. But I found enough in actual sports to fill up what we need. As a matter of fact, I had a little bit of overload. So I have technically four dishonorable mentions. And then it will culminate for my Jabroni of the Week. Actually, there's a tie for the first dishonorable mention. And maybe Troy can be our tiebreaker. So number one... I went with D3 school Morrisville out of New York. They installed a black football field, black turf football field. And then you have Marlins third base coach Jody Reed, who took a line drive off the leg. And he starts limping around, but he's okay. Turns out it broke his leg. I was like, maybe that's more tough than actual jabroni, but he's going to be out for a while. So you're leaning more Morrisville on this? All right, Morris. Yeah. Morrisville is my first dishonorable mention. It's in New York, and yes, it's not like a, you know typically a hot place year round. If it was in the South, much much bigger issue here. But I'm like, you know, they're still going to do summer workouts, and this is their only field. It's not like they have another practice field that they go on go to or like an indoor facility. They're a D3 school in middle of nowhere, New York State. This is their only field. It's it gets hot in New York State during the summer. During this time of the year, it gets pretty warm up there, too. That would really suck. All right, my next dishonorable mention, uh, several players from Florida A&M football, the Rattlers. By the way, un- underrated rivalry, Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman. Man, it was so big that like Disney World would have like a big – leading up to game day celebration for that rivalry. Well, the several players for the football team found themselves in the, some hot water because on Friday, a video from Florida-based rapper Neil Boston Ritchie filmed a music video in Florida AM's locker room, and it featured several players. Well, head coach Willie Simmons did not know about this. Saw the video, which is, you know, it's, when it comes to the lyrics, a bit explicit. Um, not family friendly, to say the least. Did not like it whatsoever. So he announced the entire football program is suspended until further notice. And he released a statement saying, quote, the video contained graphic language that is not consistent with Florida a ms core values, principles, and beliefs. 
and an internal investigation is underway to determine who authorized the use of not only the athletic facility at Gallimore Powell, but also licensed apparel that violates university branding and licensing agreements. Well, there is an update, and that is according to Florida A&M Director, Athletic Director Tiffany Dawn Sykes. Monday, the football team is allowed back into the facilities, but the the investigation is still taking place. They're still trying to figure out who was in charge of this music video. So I started, like, you know, thinking, what if somebody had an unauthorized music video being filmed at Veneer? What would K-State do about it? Let me tell you. Don't forget, K-State's in the Big 12. What's going to happen? Gene Taylor's going to be in that music video. Chains, Bud Lights, he's in it. Because remember, the Big 12 is getting younger. They're getting hipper. By God, this is how you get younger and hipper. Yeah, but that was before. That was that was pre Brett Yormark. The biggest issue was that they're in uniforms, and it maybe wasn't the right image. But maybe with Brett Yormark in the house, maybe this is encouraged. Listen, it's a way of branding. It's social media. How how many how many likes? How many views did that video get? How many girls were like, oh, these guys are so cute and sharing it all over the place? They got traction. Maybe Brett Yormark would be in favor of something like that. I don't know. All right, my last dishonorable mention. I got to give it to Joe Krause of KU. Allegedly sent a bomb threat to, uh, to KU and the, uh, the football athletic facility known as Anderson Family Football Complex, which is the veneer. For KU, but also I, you know, got to be careful with this because KU or Douglas County Sheriff's Department hasn't directly linked, as in publicly, Joe Krause to the bomb threat. But if you, I mean, if you, you know, do the, uh, you know, reading and determine that, well, you know, kind of this really easily ties all together, you would assume, but we got to be careful. Innocent until proven guilty. Uh, boy, if, but if he was guilty, Joe Krause would easily be Jabroni of the Week, but I had my mind made up on Friday on who this was going to be. It's a pretty easy guess because we are going to Las Vegas. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov, boy, I mean, just a few major stories dominated Pac-12 media days, that's for sure. But the biggest story is what's going to happen with the media rights deal and can George Klyovkov get through the press conference, without making a major error. Well, guess what? He got through most of it without a major error, and then there was that lingering sense of uncertainty in the conference. Instead of finding the middle ground and the way that progressed him through the negotiations without giving any details, still keeping maybe a little bit of confidence in his job and what he's supposed to get done, instead he made a major blunder. It's a reinforcement for me of what what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I I get it. At the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. We're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. 
after that last line, there was not a single soul in that room that that their attention was completely wasn't completely captured by that line. That we're purposely not announcing a deal because we want the focus on football. That is a major slip up. And for the reasons that was stated by a follow-up question, which happened to be the last question of the press conference. George, just to follow on what you just said, I think, a, a response ago, because it caught a lot of people's attention very quickly. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today. I think you're reading too much into that. So then what is the purpose behind not announcing something, which is what you just said? What, we want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. George, 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 you were almost out of it. Even though it wasn't a great press conference, circle, I mean, trying to maneuver around every question that was thrown at you about media rights deal, you almost got throughout, through it without just completely ruining what you were supposed to do. And that's just keep it cool. Just keep it cool. And he didn't do that. There is a kicker to this story, and I didn't even know this until yesterday. Right after George Klyovkov made those statements that he did at the end of his press conference, somebody booked it right away for the airport. Colorado Athletic Director Rick George. Out the door. Couldn't wait to get out of there. He caught a flight back to Boulder. Clear sign. I mean, a clear sign that George Klyovkov did not perform well in that public setting. Mm -hmm. George Klyovkov, easily this week, is my jabroni of the week. Chocolate starfish! And that hot dog flavored water! I can't do a Fred Durst, but I thought that was appropriate. Back on the game, Mitch and Troy to finish up hour one. I just wanted to throw out some numbers at you because bookies.com did some math for us. And they have figured out which Big 12 team in 2023 has to travel the farthest when it comes to miles with their schedule. Well, not a surprise. You would probably guess it's either UCF, BYU, West Virginia, Cincinnati. It's got to be one of them, right? Well, UCF, BYU, West Virginia are your top three. UCF will travel the farthest, and it will probably be that way forever. Nearly 15,000 miles. But who is going to be traveling the least amount of miles in 2023? That would be your Kansas State Wildcats. 3,240 miles. And if you think about it, it's a very drivable schedule when it comes to road games because there's five. Lawrence, Stillwater, Columbia, Missouri. Very easy drives. The other two, Lubbock, Texas, and Austin, Texas. Very doable. Your local news next.
All right, so it looks like we do have some confirmation that, um, and this is from Douglas County, that Joe Krause is linked to the bomb threat at the at Anderson Family Football Complex in Lawrence, that he is the one that allegedly made the bomb threat. So a little bit of confirmation here. Here's the official, uh, I guess, statement that Joseph Michael Krause did unlawfully and with the intent to place uh, another in fear or to cause the evacuation, lockdown, or disruption in regular ongoing activities of any building, communication, a threat to commit violence, and a public, commercial, or industrial building, place of assembly, or facility of transportation to it, KU football facilities was evacuated, locked down, or disrupted as to regular ongoing activities as a result of the threat, a level five felony. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale. So also attached this on the count for aggravated criminal threat penalty range from a minimum of 31 months to a maximum of 136 months in prison and or a fine of up to $300,000 and 24 months of post-release supervision Pretty serious stuff. Yeah, I, I might. I don't know if I brought my phone in here. I might. I don't. What's the math on that? 136 months. 136 months is. That's a little over. Is an, that about 11 years? A little over 11 years. Yes, 11 and three months. Wow. Because I remember. So if you haven't heard this, the news, Joe Kraus, he is a retro sophomore offensive lineman for. The Kansas Jayhawks has allegedly uh, made a bomb threat to KU football facility yesterday and was arrested. And uh, one of his charges is aggravated criminal threat. And uh, so we went over really a lot of the details in the first hour of 410, which the podcast will be coming up after the show at newsradiokman.com and just search for the game on 1350 KMAN and wherever you listen to your podcast. We went over a lot of those details. So when I was in middle school, um, there were two bomb threats when I was in middle school made by Clay Center High School kids. And I don't remember if there's ever really a, a reason that was given like later on, but they were juveniles at the time, so they didn't really get in any serious trouble as far as I am, I'm aware. This guy's an adult, though. I mean, if he, t- probably 20, 21 years old, an adult, yeah, he's going to face a very serious charge, most likely, and he is. Just, just you know, of course, it'll be determined later on in how hard you know the DA is going to go after this. But I don't know. This is crazy. It's going to come down to what were the reasons behind the threat, and what was he hoping to accomplish? I think that's the question. What were you looking to accomplish? I mean, were you trying to essentially get out of an outdoor practice, or were you? upset because of something else i mean there's no there's no way i mean there's 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 no logical explanation there's only one you can anybody could think of is for something extremely stupid yeah that tends to be right there with bomb threats yes all right let's get to uh Kadarius tony wide receiver for the kansas city chiefs entering his first full season with kansas city he was a 
a part of a trade last year, midway through the season with the New York Giants. Uh, that's that's right now the big storyline for the Kansas City Chiefs and his status because yesterday in training camp, on a kick return, he suffered a knee injury, which a, a partially torn meniscus. And Andy Reid confirmed earlier today that he had to have surgery to to kind of clean things up in his knee. And uh, so I I can speak on a meniscus injury because I've had one in when I was a when I was a junior in high school I had a meniscus injury. So a partially torn meniscus will end up healing itself. And right now what Andy Reid is saying is that they are hoping that he will be available for week 1. That's not until September 7th. So you're talking about a month and a half to to heal up and be ready to go for the Thursday night NFL season opener against the Detroit Lions at Arrowhead Stadium. The likelihood of that, really hard to tell because, as Andy Reid said earlier today, it it, it has to do with the recovery, any rehab he has to do. It's just hard to tell, but that's the goal is week one. It it makes me wonder, and you know, Mitch Holtis will be able to talk more about this tomorrow when we speak to him at 440, but what is the situation that Kansas City is currently dealing with? The goal for Kadarius Toney, even though limited last year, he he was dealing with hamstring injuries last year, but when he did play, the games he did play, Kansas City's undefeated. Perfect record when Kadarius Toney is available. The goal this year is to have him as the number one wide receiver. He's not the number one passing target. That's obviously going to be Travis Kelsey, but as a wide receiver, he was projected to be the number one guy. Well, the question then you bring up is why? Why would he be the number one guy? The reason is because I think Kansas City is chasing a ceiling. He is a former first-round draft pick, 20th overall back in 2021, a hell of a wide receiver out of Florida. His ceiling is very high, as long as he can stay healthy. Kansas City has, of course, veteran wide receivers on their roster with Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Sky Moore is entering his second year. And I'm not exactly high on Sky Moore. And then they also have a rookie in Rasheed Wallace. I mean, there's some talent there. But if you look at overall talent and where guys are at right now in their careers, Kadarius Toney probably has the most upside than anybody. And that's because of just his raw talent that he brings to the Kansas City Chiefs. He is a quick learner. I mean, if you play Madden and you can start out with the difficulty at rookie, and then as you progress through the game – the game will ask you, hey, you're really excelling at this rookie difficulty. Is it time to step it up and turn it into a pro difficulty? Make it more of a challenge. Well, from the end of last year, and really I would say probably at the beginning of the of the playoffs last year, to where he was pre-injury, he went from a rookie difficulty to an all-pro difficulty. Because he is a sponge soaking in the information. As Patrick Mahomes and others said, he has been one of the fastest learners, a quick learner. He has really taken in the the playbook and learned it and has been able to perform. By the way, not only as a wide receiver, but as a kick returner. If you go back to the Super Bowl that the Chiefs won back in February, he had two of the biggest plays. Or he set up the go-ahead touchdown. And by the way, he also had a touchdown catch. His only catch in the game was in, in the Super Bowl. But his punt return... Set Kansas City up for the victory. Limited touches, but both his touches were 
extremely impactful. And I was surprised to see that Kadarius Tony only had 16 receptions last year. And how many games did he play? 171 yards of receiving. And for Kansas City, he played in 10 games last year. I was very surprised to see very limited action or very limited touches for him. But again, dealing with some hamstring stuff last year. But it seemed like he was touching the ball all the time. I felt like I was hearing Kadarius Tony all the time making a play. Is more limited than I thought. He finished last year with just two touchdowns. I'd make that three touchdowns for Kansas City. But he was reliable. And he can make plays even though he wasn't 100%. Which takes me to my next point here. Is Kansas City investing in somebody that's injury prone? Right now he is injury prone. He entered the NFL two summers ago. And since then, he has had 10 injuries. That is a lot and is a huge reason why the Giants, just less than two years into his career, after taking him in the first round, were willing to part ways with a couple of draft picks. Kansas City is chasing a ceiling, and if they can get that ceiling, man, did they pick up a gigantic victory. But right now, I mean, he has dealt with Multiple hamstring injuries. He has, de- uh, he has dealt with ankle sprains, muscle strains. He had a shoulder, a shoulder injury that basically ended his 2021 season. The partial knee tear in, in 2022. Re-aggravated just yesterday. More hamstring injuries. I mean, a lot of lower body stuff. And, of co- I mean, obviously, wide receiver lower body stuff is you know the most common type of injuries for a wide receiver. But now Kansas City has just to be ready for somebody to take over that role. And that's where, if you're Kansas City, do you put a seventh wide receiver in the roster and not your typical six? Six is the typical number of wide receivers on your roster for the, for the regular season, obviously. Do you put the extra wide receiver in? And honestly, you're probably asking tight ends like Noah Gray, Blake Bell. We might need you guys to step up. You're going to be on our roster. Joey Fortson, you're going to be on our roster. We might need to ask more of you guys if Kadarius Tony's not ready to go. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore, we're going to need more. Rasheed Wallace, Justin Watson, we're going to need more. But this is a veteran group. It's a veteran coaching staff. They're prepared. But I just worry for the Kansas City Chiefs that this investment is not going to work out. But it does seem that Kansas City does have enough talent around or behind him to fill in for that spot. But they're no doubt about it trying to chase a ceiling that just might never get there because of being injury prone. I know Troy is thinking he's probably got fingers crossed that he never makes it. <laughs> the Denver Broncos could, could take any anything they can get right now when it comes to anything bad for the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I think that the Broncos defense is going to be okay against a guy like Kadarius Toney. It's some of the other pieces that concern me, say one quarterback involved there. Well, yeah, Blaine Gabbert can be quite the backup. Yes, he can. Yes. Shane Bouchelle, if he makes the uh, makes the 53. Well played. Look out. 
I'm more interested to see, like, when Mitch comes on tomorrow, Mitch Holtis, we're obviously going to talk Felix Andy DK Uzama. We're going to talk Echo Boydo. We're going to talk Kadarius Tony. You know, we're going to hit the storylines. You know, running back is a very interesting position mm-hmm. because of Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like, he could be cut. <laughs> I think he could be cut. It's amazing. Yeah, and he's because, a former first-round draft pick. Because Pacheco outplayed him so badly last year and is really seen as the number one. Well, and Jared McKinnon is probably more reliable Yeah, than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. And, I don't know, do you, do you, I mean, do you typically put – I mean, well, I mean, he could make the roster. I mean, but playing time is, is the thing. Like, there's no way that he's going to see touches as much as – Isaiah Pacheco and Jarrett McKinnon. I mean, it's kind of like the you know the Dak Prescott Tony Pollard situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dak was still getting starts, but man, Tony Pollard was just better. Right. And you're talking about a fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. Tony Pollard just had it. You just didn't ha- you didn't see the same effort out of Zeke Elliott than you did like Tony Pollard. I remember watching the game in Arrowhead a couple of years ago. Zeke Elliott is always projected to have really nice seasons and score touchdowns. But for the past couple of years, he's been completely overshadowed by Tony Pollard. Now, finally, Tony is most likely going to get that that tip of the cap and be the guy for first-string running back. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll finish up the show with Ask Us Anything after these words. Closing out this edition of the game ahead of Kansas City Royals baseball. The Royals and the Guardians set to match up tonight in Cleveland. Coming up on Saturday the 12th, K-State announcing that they will hold their fall season preview out at the complex. And among the things that will be taking place will be the garage sale, if you will. 8-1 to that day including team-issued gear, shoes, T-shirts, sweatshirts, baseball equipment, game-used football jerseys. A helmet's not listed there, but Mitch is drooling over the opportunity. Well, you know what? Um, when I was on this recent baseball trip to to Texas with K-State Baseball, I was like, I'm always hinting, I was like, man, baseball always has the best gear. I'm like, hey, can you... I'm doing this road trip with you guys. Can you hook me up a little something? I never right. get anything. They're, K-State soccer treated me so well with the gear. I just can't get that anywhere else, and it kind of hurts, but I guess I got to go buy my gear. I really want a football helmet. I really want a K-State football helmet. I want to give it to my dad. My dad built this incredible bar in his, in his, in his garage. It's got a bunch of memorabilia. Some of the best stuff in there is a signed uh, picture from Lynn Dawson. He's got actual wheels or tires that were on Jeff Gordon's car. Nice. That were raced. Okay. Uh, on, uh, just to name a couple. I think it'd be sweet to have that K-State football helmet in there. When they tore up the field to put in the first version of Turf Change, when it became Wagner Field, my brother and I each wound up with patches of the old turf. I had my dorm carpet for three years that way. It was that much turf you got? I got that decent chunk of turf, yeah. Like, give me like a, like foot by foot. Like, what did it turn out to be, you think? Probably about uh, an eight by ten. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty solid one. 
But after I got out of college, I had no use for it. Threadbare. What'd you do with it? Uh, it actually wound up in storage at my parents' place, and when we sold the house, I think it went with the house. Oh, man. It just was that old, and honestly, at that point... All right, we got to go. We're back for a full two tomorrow for Troy and Mitch. Go Cats. Here come the Royals.